Well, I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace at all of our campuses. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. And as always, we're so excited that you're with us, truly thrilled that you are here. And I struggle to put it into words, but right now I just got to say that God is up to something special. I can't really put my finger on it. God is up to something special. Just with the summer party and all the baptisms that took place, I know for myself this last series with James that he shared was so powerful, so excited about that. More than anything, just seeing life change after life change after life change. We had our, our staff retreat a few weeks back and afterwards our, our campus pastor and T, Travis Waltner, came up to me and he said, Adam, you often say how excited you are about the next season, like you say that fairly often, which I know you're, you mean it every time, but I just got to say, I feel the same exact way. Like I, I've never been so excited about what God is doing and what God has in store. And that was so cool, even for me to hear. I can't explain it, but here's what I do know on a personal level. Last weekend, I had the Sunday off, and Beck and I and the kids were up in Fargo, North Dakota. And even though we were supposed to be away for the day, again, I had it off. Sunday came, and I did not want to miss church. And so randomly, we ended up driving the four hours back just so we could make it to a service. Why? Why did we do so? Because I didn't want to miss out on what God had to say. Why did, we, why did we come back? Because as a person, not as a pastor, but as just a person, I didn't want to miss what God had in store. It's like, I just, I just want to be there. Like, I just want to show up and worship God. Again, I can't explain it, but God is doing something. And once more, we're so excited and thrilled and humbled and honored that you've decided to worship here with us. Now, if you grew up in a small town, across all of our campuses, how many of us grew up in a small town? If you grew up in a small town, you know that the news and the words about anything and everything spreads quickly, right? The news about anything spreads quickly. Like way before social media showed up, good, bad, or otherwise, if something happened in a small town, within a few minutes, the whole town knew about it. Like if there was a car accident, even a small fender bender, everyone knew. If someone was dating, if two people were dating before they even held hands for the first time, everybody knew about it. If you had a VHS tape that you did not return to Blockbuster video, my small town actually did not have a Blockbuster. We were too, too small. You get the point. The whole town would know. I mean, just to get real for a minute, uh, I grew up in a town where if someone came to another person's house for supper, they would put it in the newspaper. <laughs> Isn't that outrageous? It was newsworthy to go to someone's house and eat a meal together. They would put it in the paper and the whole town would know. Again, in a small town, the news and the word about anything spreads quickly. And with this, something that I will never forget, one of the greatest days of my life. At the end of sixth grade, I moved from one small town to another small town. And let's just say up to that point in my life, I was not a cool kid. And I know it's very hard to imagine looking at this picture from sixth grade wearing my Michigan Wolverine shirt. But uh, let's just say I was at the bottom of the totem pole. I was a nerd, and other than my mom and my little sister, I had never even spoke to a girl before. Like, I actually didn't even think girls existed. I thought they were like unicorns or something. Like, you hear about them, but you never actually see or talk with one. But again, at the end of sixth grade, my family moved, and the very first day that we were in town, I got a phone call from one of the cutest girls in the entire town. I don't want to brag about it, but there it is, you know. I got a phone call, and she called and said, I heard that you and your family moved to town. And I thought to myself, this morning, that's crazy, news spreads quickly, I heard your family moved to town, and I just wanted to kind of sort of see if you wanted to come and hang out with me and my friends. 
I was like, I can't, I can't believe this. This is actually the, the day that I started following Jesus, by the way. Anyways, <laughs> good, bad, or otherwise, though, good, bad, or otherwise, if something happens in a small town, the whole town knows. Well, today we're starting up a new series called Tell the Whole Town, and to do so, we're going to open up our Bibles to the book of John chapter 4. And so at all of our campuses, I'd encourage us to open up our Bibles, so again, to John chapter 4. If you have a Bible with you, open it up. If you have a Bible on your phone, open up the Bible. You're probably on your phone looking at Facebook right now anyways, so just kind of slide over to the Bible. I'm just kidding. No judgment here. If you do not have the Bible on your phone, download the YouVersion Bible app. If you don't have a Bible, period, at all of our campuses, we have stacks of Bibles. They are amazing, and they are free no strings attached. And I just encourage you, if you start coming to Embrace on a regular basis, maybe to start bringing your Bible with you because we open it up uh, pretty much every Sunday. And so again, open it up to John chapter 4. And just to bring us up to speed on what's happening, Jesus has just started traveling and he's speaking. And he just got baptized and he did this miracle. He turned water into wine. Like he's just getting started with things when he comes and he goes through the region of Samaria. And he stops her at a well to get a drink of water. And when he does, a Samaritan woman comes up to get some water herself. And when she does, Jesus begins to talk with her. Okay, so now we've maybe heard this story before. Maybe we've heard about this story. Maybe we know bits and pieces of the story. It's the story widely known as the woman at the well, the story of the woman at the well. But my hope for this series is to focus in on the second part of the story, the part of the story that I would say is often overlooked and not spoken about. And so just to give us the Cliff Notes version of the first part of the story, again, Jesus and the Samaritan woman are at this well to get some water, and Jesus begins to talk with her. Now, now just a quick side note, this would have been shocking. Why? Because first off, as a Jewish guy, talking with a female in public was looked down on. Get this, as a Jewish guy, even talking with your wife in public, even talking with your wife in the streets, they said, was taboo. It was looked down on. So this is crazy, but get this, she's not just a woman, she is a Samaritan woman. She's a Samaritan woman. At this time, if you were Jewish, you despised Samaritans. They were kind of half Jewish in your eyes. They were a mixed race of some kind. And the real Jews, God's real people despised them. And many Jews at this time wouldn't even enter this region of Samaria. They would literally add hours onto their trip to bypass this region of Samaria because they despised the Samaritans so much. And yet here is Jesus and he's Jewish. And so this would have been a scene. And once more, Jesus begins to talk with her. And at first, she is shocked that, she, that he is talking with her. I mean, she knows that this is looked down on by many, many people. Again, she's shocked, and yet Jesus begins to talk with her. And when he does, what does he talk with her about? He talks with her about living water. And in verse 10, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. And in response, the lady, she just looks at the well and she just kind of states the obvious. It's like, I'm not sure how you're going to get this water because this well here is fairly deep, mister, and you do not have a rope or a bucket. So I'm not sure how you're going to get this water that you're talking about. And quick question, is, is this water, this, this living water, any better than the water that comes from this well? Well, Jesus responds in verse 13 and says this. He says, anyone who drinks from this water, from this well, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. 
it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Again, Jesus says, if you drink physical water from this well, you'll be thirsty again. But then he shifts the conversation to a much deeper level. And he says, but those who drink the water I give you will never be thirsty again. And it becomes a spring of water that fills and flows within you. Basically, you might find water elsewhere in relationships in your career and in buying a bunch of stuff. And it may even satisfy you for a little while, but you will be thirsty again. But if you stay connected to me, if you stay connected to Jesus, if you stay close to me and depend on me, if you are just with me in here on your insides, you will never thirst again. Spiritually and emotionally, and again in here, you will never thirst again. Instead, I will fill you and I will satisfy your soul from the inside out and you will come alive like never before. I will give you everlasting life. And in response, the lady says, please, sir, give me this water, and then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to keep coming back to this physical well here. I won't have to keep coming back to this physical place. And did you hear that? The lady still isn't fully grasping what Jesus is saying. And maybe she's confused, and maybe she's skeptical about this Jesus guy, and yet she is curious. And so to make it a bit clearer about who Jesus is to this lady, Jesus gets a little personal with her. And he says, well, go and get your husband. And the lady responds back and says, I don't have a husband. Go and get your husband. And the lady says, I, I don't have one. I mean, she tries to completely deflect the conversation. And in response, in response, in verse 17, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. You have certainly spoke the truth. Wow, right? Wow. You see, in this moment, it becomes crystal clear to this lady that Jesus knows her story and everything about her. Jesus knows her story inside and out. Jesus knows her story, good, bad, and otherwise, the parts of her story that she's embarrassed about, the parts of her story that she's ashamed of, the most tender and sensitive parts. It becomes clear that the parts of her story that no one else knows, Jesus knows it all. And in this moment, just to be clear, Jesus isn't trying to embarrass her, and he's not trying to shame her. Instead, again, he's just trying to show her a glimpse of who he is. He's just trying to show a glimpse of who he is and that he is unlike anyone she's ever met before and that he knows her story, all of it, and yet he still loves her. It's like, I know you're a woman and I'm a guy and we shouldn't be talking. And I know I'm Jewish and you're a Samaritan and so I should despise you. And I know you have had five husbands, and, and which would be shocking even today in today's terms, and you're living with someone that you're not even married to, and yet I'm here, and I, I still love you, and I want to offer you some water that if you drink it, you will never thirst again. I know your story inside and out. I know your story, and yet I'm still here, and yet I, I'm, I still love you. I'm here, and I still offer you living water, which again, if you drink, you will never thirst Again, Jesus is making it clear, I know your story inside and out. So now pushing, just pause here for a minute 
and get into the heart of this series, really the focus of what we're talking about in this series, I just want to ask all of us, what is your story? I just want to ask, what's your story? What, what's your story? What is it? What's your, what's your story? Maybe when you think about your story, you think about your hometown or which state you're from, or you mention your parents and who they are or who they were. Maybe when you think about your story, you mention your race or your culture. Maybe you mention the college you went to and what your job is, and so you talk a lot about your career. What's your story? You just start talking about your promotions. Or maybe when you think about your story, you think about relationships. And so you mention your kids, you mention your spouse, you mention your significant other or the lack thereof. Maybe you think about a hobby or something that you're really, really good at. Maybe you mention some of the greatest moments of your life. When it comes to your story, you mention some of your mountaintop moments, both personally and professionally. Or moving a little deeper past the surface, on the flip side, what's your story? Maybe you mention a trial, a trial that you went through or maybe your parents went through. So your, your story includes words like divorce. Maybe your story involves cancer, a broken home, having a kid maybe when it wasn't your plan, losing a kid, being picked on as a kid. Maybe when you think about your story, you think about a struggle. So there's just this one word that comes to the surface, depression. You think about your story and it's anxiety. You think about your story and it's your weight. It's just constant, this constant battle your whole life. You're just your weight. When you think about your story, maybe it's your addiction. Or maybe like the woman in our story for today, you think about all the things you've chased in life. And so you think about one broken relationship to the next. You think about one promotion to the next and everyone has cheered you on your whole life except those closest to you, including your wife and your kids because you've sacrificed them all along. Maybe it's one poor decision after another. Constantly looking for water that will satisfy you, but every single time you found yourself thirsty once again. One more time today, I just want to ask, what is your story? What is your story? And if we don't realize it yet, every single one of us has a story. Every one of us has a story. And there's good parts to our story, and there's also some parts to our story that are just hard. I'm always amazed by how many of our stories involve hurt and pain. I never seem to be just shocked by how many of our stories involve brokenness and lies and loss and regret and deception. Recently, I grabbed lunch with a professional guy, and he just said, you wanted to hear my story, right? Halfway through lunch, you just wanted to hear my story, right? And I, I said, yeah, I, I, I do. And he went on to say, he just said, just to be honest, my story is ugly. My story is ugly, and he just began to share it with me. Again, every one of us has a story, and yet one step further, just like with the woman at the well, hear this, God, he knows our story as well. God knows our story. He knows all of it, like, like every single part of it. He knows our story inside and out. He knows the good parts and the bad, the parts that we're embarrassed about, the most tender and sensitive parts, the parts of our story that no one else knows. Jesus knows it all. And get this, he knows our story even better than we do. He knows our story. Again, he knows our story, and yet he still approaches us, and he comes near us, 
and he loves us, and he offers us living water. I'm not sure if we've heard, but water that if we drink it, we will never thirst again. One more time, God, he knows our story inside and out. So now going back to Jesus and this woman at the, the well, he makes it clear that he knows her story, and he knows everything about her, and he talks about living water with her. But further on in the story, a little later on, as, as, as they're talking, Jesus makes it clear that he is God. And he's already made it clear that he knows everything about her. And so there's something different about him, obviously. Like he knows her entire story. But then he goes on to make it clear that he is God. He makes it clear that he is the one who will save people from their sin. He makes it clear that he is the one who will rescue us from our past. I just think about this lady with five husbands and her realizing who she's talking about, the one who rescues us from our past, the one who makes the broken person whole, the the one who makes the lost person found, the one who is so holy and yet so loves us that he's willing to die for us. Jesus, he makes this clear to this broken lady by saying the simple words, I am the Messiah. Makes it clear, I'm God, the one who rescues us, the one who's able to make you whole. Jesus makes this clear. And I love this because basically, in this moment, Jesus begins to share some of his story with her. He begins to share some of his story with her. He shares her story, and then he begins to share some of his own. I am the Messiah. Look at what happens in verse 28. It says, the lady left her water jar beside the well, and she ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. I mean, this lady leaves everything, right? Like the sole purpose that she came to this well in the first place, she completely disregards. And she runs back to her village and she tells the whole town tells the whole town about the man who knew everything I've ever done. I mean, if it's not clear, in this moment, after meeting Jesus and hearing a part of his story, she is changed. In this moment, after meeting Jesus and hearing a part of what he has to say, she is no longer the same person anymore. And and here's the main point that I want us to hear today. Honestly, if you forget everything else, remember this. It's the simple but powerful truth that God's story, it changes our story. God's story, it changes ours. You see, on our own, we have our own life and our own story. But when we meet Jesus, his story, it changes our story. When we meet Jesus, from that moment on, we are no longer the same. And our life and our story is forever changed. From that moment, our story is now based on his story. Our story, it now centers on Jesus. It's now built upon him. From that moment on, he is now the main character. Before Jesus, we did our own thing. We are the main character. We're the focus. We meet Jesus. We step aside. He becomes the focal point. Again, God's story, it changes our story. Thank God it changes our story. Thank God, honestly. Lord, we just worship you. We're so grateful that you changed our story. We're so grateful that our story isn't our past. It's not our brokenness. It's not our sin. It's not our addiction. Your story, it changes our story changes everything about us 
One more time, though, today. I just want to ask, what is your story? What is your story? What's yours? As he came in today, you should have been given one of these sticky notes at all of our campuses. Right now, honestly, I just want to encourage us to take it out. All of our campuses, if you have a sticky note, take it out right now. If you do not have a sticky note, find a piece of paper somewhere. Maybe don't steal, but take someone's pen beside you. Stealing is not good, especially in church. Get a sticky note, though. And as, as I'm talking right now, just take a minute or two to write down your story. And we intentionally handed out sticky notes so you wouldn't be tempted to write a short novel. Not that that's bad. But uh, we gave you a sticky note. And so just using the high points, what is your story? Your story, not somebody else's, not your, your friend or your spouse or your dad's. What's your story? And honestly, maybe we're here today and we don't know what our story is. We don't know what our story is. Or we look at our story and it's like, that's kind of a lame story. That's my story. That just kind of sucks. That's ugly. Like, that's my story. Maybe you don't know your story. If that's us to start, I'd ask you the basics. Like, where are you from? Who's your family? What's your job? But so much deeper than that, what are the highs and lows that have shaped you? What's made you the person that you are today? And more than anything, how has God and his story changed your story? And what, is he, what, is, what has he done through the highs and lows, through the struggles and trials? How, does, how have you seen God at work? And what crap has he carried you through? It's crap. No one else even knows about it. Like, what is, you, you know it, though. Like, what are those things that he's carried you through? You wouldn't wish upon your worst enemy, like those times that he just rescued you. You cried out at your lowest moment and you heard from him. When did you start following Jesus? How is God changing your life right now? And maybe we're here and we're not even a Christian. Maybe we're here, we don't even know if we believe in, in God. If that's you, know we're so grateful that you're here. You do not have to believe to belong. But I would argue that you just even being here, if that is you, you just being here is, is a fairly clear sign that God is at work in your life. Again, what is your story? And how is God changing it? Just using the high points, what, write it down. It's powerful to know our story, to know who we are, to know how God has shaped us and, and molded us, just to know ourselves on a, on, a, on a deeper level. And just to share what I wrote myself, I thought I'd go first in this. I wrote down husband and dad, four kids, four chickens, two dogs. <laughs> I was a business degree turned pastor. I still don't know that part, how I figured it out. Greatest moment, I don't want to brag, but I once played for the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> God forgive me for this picture, sorry. No, but seriously, I wrote down, I grew up in the church but wanted nothing to do with it. I questioned my worth constantly. I hope it's okay, I use both sides. I wrote down, something was missing from my life, and I was so lost, and then Jesus found me, and everything about me began to change. He made me whole when I was broken. He forgave me of my sin. He set my life on a new path, and I wanted to tell as many people as I possibly could about Jesus from that day forward. To this day, I'm still a sinner, far from perfect, in desperate need of God's grace. Lastly, I put God's story, it changed my story. So that's my story. What is yours? 
what's your story and whatever it is, again, I just encourage us, if you're not doing it right now, at some point to write it down. Now, closing things up today, I just want to say that if we're here, and when we look at our story, it's just so clear that Jesus hasn't been a part of it. If we look at our story and it's clear that we've lived our own life, that we've done our own thing, maybe like the woman at the well, instead of looking to God, we've chased one thing after the next, or maybe when we look at our story, it's so clear that our, our, our whole story has been focused on ourself. We look at our story, and it's like my whole story has been consumed with me, myself, and I instead of God. Or we look at our story, and it's just broken. We just look at it, it's just like, I'm so jacked up. Look at our story, it's empty, it's filled with regret. If that's us, I cannot think of a better day to, to make a change. Again, God's story can and is able to change our story. So if that's us, the first step to making a change to our story is just declaring our need for Jesus. Just today at all of our campuses, maybe just praying the words right now to ourselves, Jesus, I need you. I want and I need you in my life. And I'm not even sure what it means, but I invite you into my life. I've read that in the Bible somewhere that you can dwell within us or something. God, would you just come into my life? You just take over every part of my life, take over control, my decisions, my private life, even the way that I think, God, my identity. Would you just take control of it? Jesus, from this day forward, I want to follow you. From this day forward, I want my story to be all about your story. Instead of my story being summed up with my past, instead of my story being summed up with my career, how lame is that? My promotions and my bank account, how empty. Instead of my story even being based on my relationships, God, Jesus, I want my story to center and focus on you. Again, God's story changes our story. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we, we come before you today grateful and thankful and needy for who you are. And we're in awe, but also have a sense of trembling, possibly, that you know our story. I'm guessing across our campuses, there's been a whole bunch of us who have stayed as far as we could from the church because we didn't want you to know our story. But God, you've known it all along. You've known it the whole time. Jesus, today, if we've never invited you into our lives before we do that, we surrender our lives to you. We, we, we surrender control. We ask for forgiveness. Would you change our story today? And for those of us who have been following you for years, God, and maybe you changed our story 10 or 20 years ago. My, my heart's desire for myself and for all of us who are following you, Jesus, would you continue to change us? Would you continue to change us? Would you continue to change our heart and our attitude and all that we are to become more and more like yours? Would we continue to put you further and further to the center of our story? Jesus, we thank you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.